0: From the Whiskey Tangent Studios in Marlton, New Jersey, this is Whiskey Tangent News.
1: Hey everybody, this is Ed from the Whiskey Tangent Podcast here with another edition of Whiskey News. Woo! And joining me, as always, is Scott. Hey, everybody. Let me tell you what we're going to get into. All right. We got eight news stories for you. Three are going to be in industry news, where we talk about what's going on in this crazy industry (laughs) of ours. Um, By ours, I'm being very generous there. uh, (laughs) We're we're in it. Sure, we're (laughs) in it. Yeah. Just like you're in the NFL if you buy a ticket and go to the Eagles game. (laughs) So, financial news, two stories, and then fine dining, which, uh, as far as I know, is a new section for us. It is. And it's going to be three mini stories in that. And it's in quotes for a reason. Right so it may not be fine dining uh tongue-in-cheek right Right. a bunch of new whiskeys coming out at least 10 and then uh what's coming up for us on the next podcast
0: right so it is september 2023 and here's all the news that's fit to drink in industry news from whiskey advocate sagamore spirit bought by italian beverage behemoth Baltimore-based Sagamore Spirit has announced that it has agreed to be acquired by Ilva Serrano, the Italian drinks company most famous for its Di Serrano Amaretto liqueur brand. The agreement was struck with Sagamore founder Kevin Plank, also the founder of Under Armour, the sportswear company, said Plank, Growing Sagamore spirit has been an incredibly rewarding experience with a team that has obsessed every detail across this holistically Maryland grain-to-glass whiskey business. I want to thank Ilva Serrano for their understanding the specialness of our unique product and look forward to the outstanding horsepower that they can add into its next chapter. Although monetary details of the deal have yet to be released, perhaps most surprising is that in an effort to show how serious they are in showcasing Sagamore in their Spirits lineup, Ilva Serrano will be moving its global headquarters to Baltimore. I mean, that was the most
1: surprising point of the story that Isn't I read. That, that's amazing to me. But even if they did start in 2008, we know they weren't really up and running until four years later. So you're talking about 10 or 11 years. Yeah, that's and, how crazy it is now. I mean, it's unheard of. Normally, you'd have to have a company 25 years or something, and then you could sell out. I mean, I know in the tech world, you'd see this. You know, people would get the newest app or something and some companies would acquire you and yeah. that's pretty common. That's a three, four year thing, you know, yeah. but not
0: normally for a spirit company. No, but I think that's the trend now, though.
1: I mean, right? Because what right, was that's the one what we're now? seeing it.
0: Blue Run, and then uh, and, yeah, Lux Row Brought up Run. Penelope, right? And, and somebody bought Wilderness Trail, right? And, and,
1: and, that was the one Wilderness Show because yeah. they had only been around for about what a ten-year period.
0: Yeah, I know. We should have started one ten years ago. <laughs> right, As I said, we've had our podcast going four
1: years, so in two years, I'm expecting a bid from Joe Rogan. <laughs>
0: All right, so the second story that we have in industry news from the Whiskey Raiders, Kentucky Owl hires a new master blender.
1: It's me, everybody. I'd like to thank you for your attention and my time on the podcast has been great. I'm looking forward to my time at Kentucky Owl. Uh, You know, besides blending my personality with Scott, I've never really blended any liquor together. But hey, you know what? They're like my enthusiasm in the interview.
0: (laughs) The fast-growing Craft Distillery Kentucky Al has tapped Maureen Robinson, not Ed. No. As the brand's new master blender. As the former master blender, John Rhea, enters retirement. Robinson, the first female master blender to be hired by the brand, comes with 45 years of industry experience, primarily for Scotch brands like Johnny Walker, The Singleton, and Buchanans, for which she was one of Diageo's first female master blenders. Take that, Greg Snyder. <laughs> Said <laughs> Robinson. For no reason yeah. random. Right. Said Robinson, I'm really looking forward to my new career venture in the bourbon industry and as the first female master blender at Kentucky Owl, I look forward to being a role model for aspiring women who have a passion for whiskey making. Additionally, because she has previously used only second fill bourbon barrels, Robinson expressed excitement to now having an opportunity to work with first fill bourbon barrels and to understanding how flavor is influenced by new American oak to create new whiskeys.
1: Interesting, yeah. Kentucky Owl is one of those brands that I marvel at because everything they put out seems to be, you know, worth one hundred and sixty dollars, yeah, or one hundred and forty dollars, or one hundred and twenty-five dollars. And for a long time, they were just those bottles I'd see behind the register, and I didn't know a lot about the company. Since you know the last couple of years, Scott and I have had a bit of Kentucky Owl, and some of it's really, really good. Some of it I still scratch my head. Why is three hundred dollars?
0: Yeah, th- Dixon Deadman—that that's a guy who started it. He Then now he does Two X O. He, mm. I think really got lucky with his first one and it just exploded and it was limited so then it, you know the secondary yeah. took over and then everyone after that was highly sought after only because of the first one not yeah. to say that the words were bad or anything but they really weren't as good as the first one and that's what happens in now right um did they come out with a Wiseman, which is their like
1: affordable option yeah like 40 Some, 42 dollars yeah i haven't had that though yeah they have a Ryan and a bourbon very basic kind of like what yeah. stellum first did from barrel but then of course they can't help themselves and now stellum's all 100 dollars for everything that comes out mm,
0: yeah now so maybe they're hiring her hoping to you know infuse some like new ideas. That's
1: see that's better than like an old elk. Kentucky Owl sounds like a premium brand to me. Not like old elk. Not like old elk. Old elk is a good company but I don't understand their name. It's like yeah. normally when you put old in front of something it's a crappy whiskey. Old crow, mm-hmm. right? Old, old Ed. No, like there's like three or four olds out there. Oh, like yeah a, yeah. yeah. Old mud. Old mud. <laughs> tastes like dirt. Right old prostate. That, oh, that, no. that one that would that one doesn't sell.
0: No. No. <laughs> it tastes like a all right so the last story in industry news from fox 5 dc virginia introduces text messages for rare whiskey Virginia's Alcoholic Beverage Control Authority is launching a new text messaging system for communicating to customers when and where limited availability products will be dropped. This is in response to last month's controversial new electronic lottery system in which sorting anomalies allowed a single entrance to win multiple bottles, prompting a public outcry from those who missed out. So starting immediately, customers can sign up for the notifications by texting the word DROPS. D-R-O-P-S, to 80424 and simply attesting that they are at least 21 years old, said Virginia ABC spokesperson Pat Kane. This time, we're sure that the system is going to run really well. (laughs) So they had a horrible time apparently rolling out this new electronic lottery system and everyone got upset. So now they're instituting a text messaging system so people can know when Rare Risky is near them.
1: So it's like everyone's going to have that friend at the liquor store that knows when the bottle's coming in. Hey. Right. Psst. Richmond there's a case of Weller foolproof heading your Way on Tuesday yeah
0: wouldn't it Be cool though if uh everybody Did that like liquor yeah. stores in Our area would do that I know Some do like email you know Notifications and stuff like that but I Haven't heard of text messaging
1: Yeah I'd like Taylor right from Badash to let me know Some good stuff in but to my Credit I haven't asked her
0: to Look for anything so right. Jeff told The story on the, the last vault Episode that was out two weeks Ago about he had to bribe the Box boy <laughs> and yes. he got back to him So this is a little bit more Legal I guess yeah
1: like one Time I was in a, a store and I Was looking for were larceny brown proof, and the guy's like, Well, I got a bottle in the back for me to take home. Do you want me to give you that? I was like, No, man, <laughs> no, I mean, you work here, you should get some type of a benefit for that. No, Put that's up true with dumbass questions from people like me all day, you know. <laughs> got Blanton's, <laughs> got any pappy right there right? So I was like, No, it was nice of him to
0: offer though. To yeah, be- well, that was nice. All right, so financial news. This is a story that I think should have greater attention. Okay. So this is from Fortune Magazine. Whiskey Town's fume over distillery tax dodging. For decades, the whiskey makers of Tennessee and Kentucky have been beloved in their communities, enhancing the rural character of their neighborhoods while providing good-paying jobs and the pride of a successful homegrown industry. But as American whiskey has grown in popularity around the world, it's beginning to fuel conflicts at home, and the love affair, it seems, might be over. You see, in Kentucky, where 95% of the world's bourbon is manufactured, county officials are fuming after the state's legislature voted to phase out a barrel tax that has been funding schools, roads, utilities, and even fire departments with up to $4 million per per county annually. In addition, many of the new barrel houses being built are utilizing industrial revenue bonds that exempt them from property taxes for years or even decades. Initially, the counties had agreed to support these tax breaks because they expected to continue collecting the barrel tax, but now that it's being phased out, after 2043, distillers will pay no taxes at all on most of their warehouses. In response, counties are declaring moratoriums on new warehouse construction while they update zoning and permitting rules. Soon, new projects will be required to seek citizen input and zoning Board approval. Also, as we reported previously, neighbors in both states have been suing distillers over the destructive black whiskey fungus, as well as the loss of prime farmland and complaints about liquor themed tourist developments that are more Disneyland than Distillery Tour. And as famed whiskey writer, competition judge, and friend of the podcast, Fred menick recently said about these developments, it's an interesting time for the industry because bourbon has never been this popular. Bourbon was always the good guy, bourbon was loved by Kentucky, so it'll be fascinating to see if bourbon remains a hero.
1: Well, right. And recently, you know, you've seen the controversy with Disney in Florida. Disney deserves some breaks for all that they bring, the tourism. But, you know, there has to be a limit. Kentucky is producing a lot more whiskey and... Just to have the same flat barrel tax might not be fair because that takes a lot of money to get to that point. But by the same token, they shouldn't get a free ride. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, they're phasing yeah. it out for good.
1: Yeah. You know what's really happening is the whiskey industry. We've talked about how it's been a hundred years since prohibition. They're really doing well. They're getting their power back, if you will, and they're flexing it. Right? They're lining the pockets of politicians, both legally because we have ridiculous donation rules right. and lobbying laws in this country. I mean, remember we talked about during prohibition how powerful the Brewers Association was of the beer makers, right? Yeah, And the same thing is going on now, right? As more and more extra money is laying around, they can hire more and more lobbies, more and more
0: attorneys. Right. So it's become a big business like any other. But I like how the counties are sort of pushing back on the state yeah, well, legislature. They have to. They, they have to. They, they have, no they have choice. schools and, and roads to build. I know. I know. So I think it's working. So they said now that they are pushing back, the state legislatures are now willing to listen and the distillers themselves because if you are not allowing the distillers to build any new Rick houses because of your new zoning laws and getting citizens to actually vote on whether they should visit right. or not, well, yeah, now they have to listen to the citizenry.
1: Right. Yeah. Also, by the way, you might not know, uh, Scott and I have a cover band called uh, Black Whiskey Fungus is playing this weekend. <laughs> it's a caucus Friday night and also in East Orange at a little place called Mike's Ale House on Saturday. We're doing two shows, two and nine. Are we uh, doing
0: the uh, Starlight Ballroom in well, yeah, uh, also,
1: Right. So we're doing Starlight Ballroom in Sarahville, not actually inside, but in the, we're doing the parking lot outside. <laughs> Uh, they won't actually hire us because why would you? Because we're not even a real band. Yeah. Well, we want to be. Right. Yeah. Oh, black fungus. Yeah, yeah. Oh, black fungus. Yeah, yeah. Got it on the car. Yeah, yeah. Got it on the house. Yeah, yeah. Oh, black fungus. Got on my children. Blah, blah, <laughs> Oh, no, no. You can't get on your children. Oh, no. Right. Right. No, now you've gone into a whole <laughs> no, other thing. Yes.
0: We can't talk about that. And we're not even going to talk about no, what we, it we is. We can't talk about that.
1: Jesus, God. What? I'm saying you can't do that. Oh, I know. Go ahead.
0: Well, we didn't. <laughs> <laughs> Right. So the second story in financial news is from the spirits business, scotch exports drop significantly. Crazy. The Scotch Whiskey Association, or SWA, has reported that scotch exports by volume and value declined during the first half of 2023, a 20% drop in volume from last year that equates to 630 million bottles. Value wise, the category performed better but still experienced a loss of $122 million US, a drop of 3.6%. Subsequently, the SWA has attributed the shift to the global trend of premiumization and said consumers are trading up to premium blended scotch and single malts, said SWA chief. Chief Executive Mark Kent: Premiumization in the spirits category didn't start during COVID nineteen, but the pandemic certainly accelerated the trend. And it remains the case that consumers are trading up, enjoying premium spirits and consuming fewer units of alcohol.
1: So Cuddy Sark and the old grouse are taking it in the nutshell. Yes.
0: <laughs> so here's my take on it. I'm wondering, maybe it's not premiumization. Maybe it's the rise in American single malts.
1: Not 630 million bottles.
0: No, not the full 20%. Right, right. But a drop of 20%, I don't think it's just premiumization. We have rules for American single malts now. We have a lot of companies making them. We have a lot of people buying them. And you don't have to pay any import tax or anything. They're cheaper.
1: Right. But you can only buy so many bottles a year. Yes, that's If you also drink true. both. If you're only a Scotch guy, then yeah, maybe that's premiumization. <laughs> Premium. I know, it's hard to say. Premiumization. Premiumization. No, that's immunization. like will shot. Say <laughs> premium. Premium. Isation. Isation.
0: Yes. <laughs> I'll do you doing
1: yeah, that and then right. I'll just place it together. <laughs> premiumization <laughs> so anyway maybe back in the day you know you buy three or four bourbons and you buy eight scotches but now oh will it rye and there's got old ezra's got a rye and now knob Creek's got a rye and oh, wow well, look at these american
0: single malts because right. like, they got bar right. they kind of uh, taste like scotch they're a little bit cheaper maybe yeah. i'll try those so that's the end of financial news the next thing we have is fine dining in quotes All right. So these are like three little mini stories. The first one is those crazy vampires at Sazerac have announced that they're partnering with B&G Foods to launch three new non-alcoholic seasoning blends under the Weber brand that's behind a wide range of grilling, seasoning blends, rubs, marinades, sprays, and sauces. The new lineup includes- I know the ones
1: you're talking about. I've seen the Weber rubs.
0: I've seen them. Yeah. So they have Fireball. Seasoning, which features the sweet heat. Is that from Sazarek? Yeah. Wait, Sazarek owns Fireball? Yeah. How did I forget that? God, that must fund everything else they do. (laughs) I know, right? The sweet heat of Fireball's cinnamon flavor, uh, Buffalo Trace seasoning, inspired by the sweet fruit flavor and caramel notes of the famous bourbon, and Southern Comfort seasoning, which showcases a balanced blend of stone fruit flavors, warm spice, and garlic. I mean i could see southern comfort
1: on the right meat like a
0: chicken i think would go great with that
1: yeah it would be really sweet yeah the way a um pineapple teriyaki would go mm-hmm. you know, on like a chicken or even yeah.
0: some fish maybe oh yeah some fish i think the buffalo trace one would go well with meat like grilled meat and, oh pork would be good but what the fuck did the fireball seasoning go with cinnamon on meat
1: nah it's nah Ugh. no i mean god no, no. No.
0: (laughs) Right. So the second one we have is Nationwide Restaurant Chain. Nationwide is on your side. No, that's the insurance company. Oh, sorry. Buffalo Wild Wings is bringing bourbon to their wing demanding patrons in the form of a new bullet bourbon barbecue sauce made with actual bullet bourbon, which lends its sweet smoky tang directly to chicken wing sandwiches and wraps. But hurry and order now because the new sauce is available only for a limited time. What amazes
1: me is you got Bullet, which is a monster company. Do they have their own bourbon now? I believe so. If you make your own bourbon, you always have some bourbon that you make that isn't up to snuff. Because mm. it seems dumb to source your bourbon and then just give it to a barbecue sauce. It's like, <laughs> yeah. I'm wondering if that's where this comes from. That makes sense? I mean, yeah. I don't know. No. I've never owned a barbecue uh, that, company, but... I'm
0: just... <laughs> <laughs> no, that makes sense. Like, if yeah. you had product that you can't really use for its intended purpose, right. you find another purpose for it.
1: Right. My brother used to work for a farm that grew recreational marijuana. Right. And they, the really pretty buds would be packaged... To be wow. sold as flowers sure, and the ugly ones would be used to make the waxes and the, the oils, oils and yeah. the edibles right, right. and right. the stuff like that because it just wasn't visually appealing so i have to think that bourbon has to have similar byproducts i'm sure yeah. anyone in the industry is like of course ed yeah the good side of capitalism, right right that's why you have a company and what you try to
0: maximize and sell everything you have right that's right all right so the third one and this is absolutely ridiculous The cinnamon-flavored whiskey liqueur, again, Fireball, recently introduced a new product aimed at spicing up, get it? Yeah. The champagne industry. It comes in a magnum-sized bottle, and it's called Fireball Dragnum, get it? Yeah. <laughs> and it's packaged to look like a regular bottle of champagne, complete with cork topper, classic wire cage, and crinkled foil wrap, but it's actually not sparkling wine at all. Inside is the same old fireball that you can get anywhere, so why are they doing this? Well, said spokesman Danny Sewich, if given the choice, we're hoping Fireball fans will reach for a magnum of fireball over a magnum of the same old, same old to ignite the holiday festivities. Because an epic celebration deserves something spicier than usual. 1.75 liter bottles of fireball dragnum began rolling out to stores late last month at a suggested retail price of $24.99.
1: I mean, it's pretty cheap. I'll say that. It is cheap, but Uh, it's so
0: dumb. I
1: have to tell you, is it dumb? Because they're already selling the most. So I kind of give them credit for not resting on their laurels, but I think people will expect it to be different or expect it to be bubbly because it doesn't matter. Listen, labels don't really mean anything. People go on what they think it is. It looks like champagne. This must be some type of sparkling fireball. Barrel
0: cinnamon champagne. Right. And go, yeah, let's get this. This is interesting and new. And then they pour right. it out, and it's the same old shit.
1: I would imagine, though, if they did put bubbles in, like, spraying high-power <laughs> fireball into people's eyes would be deadly. I, I hear this. I guarantee oh, they shit. tried something like this and blinded a couple of lab workers. Like... <laughs> Because, you know, we've all had champagne in our eyes at one point or another, and it kind of burns a little bit. Yeah. But Fireball with the cinnamon in your eyes. oh, Oh, my God. That's true. So Fireball, the nemesis of classic bourbon drinkers. But in the summer, you know, you give me an airplane bottle out of the freezer. It's delightful. It's refreshing. It's not whiskey i drink a lot more liqueurs than scott i drink concho i drink grand Marnier. i drink uh, frangelica i'll drink amaretto
0: it makes sense for you you like really sweeter stuff yeah me i just put sriracha on a plate and just lick it
1: right well <laughs> yeah well that's because you know i worship the greek god of sugar diabetes diabetes <laughs> Diabetes, the greek god of sugar okay
0: all right that's it for news so we have new whiskeys that are out this month we have 10 of them 2XO, which we just yeah. mentioned earlier, the Dixon Deadman, formerly of Kentucky Owl, they're putting out two new expressions. A 2XO means two times oak, signifying that everything they do is double oaked. So the first one is the American Oak Bourbon. It's billed as an everyday bourbon, 92 proof. The age and mass bill are not disclosed, although it says a moderate amount of rye. Butterscotch, roasted cashews, nougat, and caramel brittle, MSRP is 50 which is pretty good most of their stuff is expensive as is this next one the tribute blend bourbon a small batch release in honor of his parents and the path they paved for him it's a 104 proof at least six years age it's two mash bills a 35 percent rye plus 18 percent rye bourbons uh toffee caramel apricot and red hot cinnamon candy the msrp for that is 100. I see these in every liquor store I go to. Like, yeah. they're everywhere in yeah. New Jersey. I don't know about other states. Yeah, and they're about 100. Yeah, but I've never had one. I thought we had a, a Doug that time. Oh, maybe we did. Not the vault, just tasting with him right. later. Right. Yeah. right. But I don't remember which one that was. Yeah, me either. No. So the next one is Barrelcraft Spirits. They're always hey, putting out stuff. Yeah, sure, good uh, stuff. The Ambarana Cask Finish Bourbon. So is a mini preview of an upcoming episode that we're going to do next season. Uh, this is a blend of two mash bills at four different ages, finished in Ambarana casks, a type of oak that grows only in Brazil. The ages is between five and ten years. It's one sixteen point four two proof. The derived mash bill is seventy five percent corn, twenty one percent rye, four percent malted barley. Rich and buttery with oak derived spice, licorice root, pumpkin pie, chai tea, ginger beer, tarragon, lemon meringue, and Verjus. Nice. They just have to put one thing in there, right. right? MSRP 85. Yeah. I want to try to get this for the episode. Yeah. That about. would be good. The next one is Blue Run Trifecta. This is the first release from Blue Run since being acquired by Molson Coors, which we reported on last month. This is a blend of three different Kentucky bourbons. 32% of it is a nine-year, 78% corn bourbon. 22% is an eight-year, 75% corn bourbon. And the rest, 46% is a six-year, 78% corn bourbon. That's why it's trifecta. It's a 117.1 proof cinnamon, candy apple, baked bread, caramel, peppermint, and white chocolate with a balanced wood-charred linger, MSRP 180. Um, okay. So (laughs) I know. Yeah. Yeah. They're sourcing. Exactly. They're not making their own stuff, but I get that they blend. But you know, we just talked about barrel blending things, and it's eighty-five dollars, and they're selling theirs for one eighty. Like, what makes theirs better? Right. And I will say that
1: this had to be the works before they required. If they, oh sure, if of it. course, this was definitely not something that the new people put out.
0: No, no. Um, the next one we have Elijah Craig Barrel Proof. The new one is out. The C nine twenty three.
1: people are going crazy. Elijah Craig is catching fire. Yeah. Some people like their regular as an everyday drinker for sure, but holy hell! Like Scott and I drank store barrel pick it was was ten years old, cast strength, and it was one of the best whiskeys I ever drank in my life, yeah. and it was
0: like. Yeah. This is the last ECBP release of the year. It's 133 proof, 13 years, seven months aged. Yeah. 78% corn, 10% rye, 12% malt and barley. The classic Eliza Craig mash bill. Dark caramel, molasses, baking spice, bright raspberry, brown sugar, pepper, glazed pecans, ginger, and cinnamon MSRP. As you said, 75. But again, good luck with that.
1: Well, but you can find it some places. But here's what's interesting. If they drop that to 120, they could put out a lot more bottles. They're a big company. This is not some niche 10,000 bottle release place. This right. is Heaven Hill. This is a monster company. Mm-hmm. And for them to keep it at 133 or whatever it is,
0: yep. that's a really hot bourbon. Yeah, the fact that they put the MSRP at 75 is commendable. But then the fact that it's at cash strength and they don't have enough bottles and they know that its price is going to yep. go up for the consumer, they're not getting but, that money.
1: But I guess their distillers like, listen, this is what this is what tastes good. This is what we want to do. Yeah. It doesn't seem like a lot to us, but they're putting out so many bottles that that five percent proof down could get them another truckload of two of of
0: the whiskey it is an interesting calculus that they do yeah Uh, the next one out and i want to get a bottle of this do a quick taste in the near future jack daniels bonded rye yeah yeah the newest addition to their bonded series see episode 56 for yep. our take on the first two the bonded bourbon and the triple mash yeah. it's 100 proof of course uh four years of course uh, the mash bill 70 percent rye 18 percent corn 12 percent malted barley banana bread and apple cake with nice. balanced notes of spice fruit vanilla and oak the msrp is 32 dollars. nice <laughs> yeah
1: um yeah and i saw it in the store recently for 39 did you and once again every state has their own taxes right uh, yeah you yeah put on top of that yeah. so to me, 39 is pretty close to the MSRP, okay. even though they're saying 32, which is, you're not going to find it for 32. That's
0: Not here. We, we th- learned yeah. on another podcast that it's cheaper in other states, yeah. uh, that way cheaper than here next one little book chapter seven this one is named in retrospect and is a blend of seven different whiskeys one each from the previous six chapters and a new seventh so two rise four bourbons and one single malt six of which were blended into their previous six wow. versions that's, that's
1: so, very interesting yeah
0: so uh, the two rise there's a four year which is the new whiskey they have a ten year which was in chapter two for the four bourbons they had a four year which was in chapter one the nine year which is in chapter four right. the 17 year which was in chapter three and the eight 18 year which was in chapter five and then one single malt a five year which was in chapter six it's 118.1 proof caramel orange zest smoke floral rye leather tobacco ancient oak clove and freshly cracked black pepper msrp 150. what's the proof again 118.1 i mean they're special
1: they've kind of replaced the blood oath for me because the blood oath get kind of expensive but Mm. these started out at 110. Now they're at 150 I mean, that's kind of the follow the trend of whiskey. Remember, these come out every year. So you have to go back, you know, six years ago. It was like probably like $95, $98. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you could still get Booker's for 100 but a lot of times you'll see Booker's for 130 now. So
0: yeah, I think if you can get it for 150 or maybe even under, get it. Yeah. Uh, the next one is Maker's Mark Seller Aged Cask Strength. This is their oldest release yet. It's a blend of 11 and 12 year Maker's Mark. 87% of it is the 12 year. 13% is the 11. Year. It's 115.7 proof. <laughs> 70% corn, 16% red winter wheat, 14% malted barley, the classic maker's mark, yep. dark stone fruit, caramelized sugar, toasted oak, caramelized barrel notes, and baking spices, another one at one fifty.
1: What gets me about this is that one of the oldest whiskey companies, and they seem to have trouble having old whiskey around, like, <laughs> you figure they would have the best chance at having 20-year expressions. Mm, mm. They've been putting whiskey out at a pretty good pace since the 50s. It's is interesting to me that they've never put out a 12-year before. Yeah,
0: yeah, that this is their oldest. Right. Yeah. Uh, We have two more. My Lemon Green has released their volume two of their Unabridged Bourbon. A second installment from My Lemon Green's Unabridged Bourbon comprises a blend of 56 bourbon barrels across five age statements and from three different states. Alright, so strap in. Eleven of the barrels are 16-year Tennessee bourbon. Eighteen barrels are a seven-year Tennessee bourbon. Five barrels are a four-year Tennessee bourbon. Nine barrels are a three-and-a-half-year Kentucky bourbon. Eleven barrels are a two-year Kentucky bourbon. And two barrels are a two-year Texas bourbon. I was going to say they're
1: based in Texas. It might be nice to bring some of their own stuff in <laughs> there it is i remember a two-year barrel in texas is like a four-year barrel in other states
0: exactly uh listen to these tasting notes dark cherry fig sweet almond menthol fine boot leather anise caramel candy dark brown sugar sweet black tea marzipan oak fresh bread licorice and citrus oil msrp 95 what's the proof again it's, it's 117.6 proof okay yeah they have a lot of low proof stuff yeah so I think that's worth it all the work that they did 56 different bourbon barrels absolutely for, absolutely for, that's, I mean that's
1: a special effort sure yeah. that deserves a couple extra dollars yeah. and what 95 yeah
0: and we know that oh, the, we know that stuff is good because we've had several right. expressions of it
1: you yeah, know we're best friends with the master to store there that's,
0: that's right Um, the last one you're gonna like this Remus repeal reserve series seven is out
1: Ooh, yay <laughs> yeah. five and six have been so good
0: yes we've tasted two previous versions on the podcast the series five on Doug's Vault episode last year, which we rated the highest of all the ones we tried, yeah. And Series Six, which made it to the final pour of this year's Whiskey Madness tournament, yeah. The Series Seven is comprised of barrels aged between nine and sixteen years from MGP, of course. This is their brand. Twenty-six percent of it is a ten-year twenty-one percent rye bourbon. Another twenty-six percent is a ten-year thirty-six percent rye bourbon. Twenty-one percent of it is nine-year twenty-one percent rye. Another twenty-one percent is a nine-year thirty-six percent rye and six percent of it the rest is a 16 year 21 percent rye it's 100 proof caramelized pecans candied cherry maple syrup raisins and barrel char finishing with an intense cinnamon and peppermint 100 bucks
1: i mean i think i got the last one i bought for 102 dollars. i bought the six so I, yeah.
0: I mean those are better deals than the little book and the maker's right. mark that we just talked about yeah exactly i love it All right, so you want to talk about our Philly trips? Right, so
1: we went to see, there's a couple bands in Philly that, that's not worth mentioning where we're going, but... I don't know.
0: The, we saw a cover band of Red Hot Chili Peppers called the Red Not Chili Peppers. Right, so...
1: <laughs> right, so first of all, I'll give a shout out. We saw yeah. a, a very entertaining 90s cover band called Flannel. They were fun. It's great to hear some songs live you've probably never heard. They were doing Stone Temple Pilots, they were doing some
0: Nirvana. Pearl Jam it was a grunge stuff, yeah, Soundgarden, yeah. that kind of stuff.
1: And then they opened up for the Red Not Chili Peppers who came out and did the entire Love that name. Blood Sugar Sex Magic album. Yeah. And I'm, we're both Chili Pepper fans, especially me. It's one of my favorite bands. And so to see both bands for $15 was a pretty good deal. That was the best part. The best part. And we went to um, our favorite venue in that area. It's a place called Bourbon and Branch. They have a really good whiskey menu, of course. Curated, yeah. They had a restaurant pick, Four Roses Single Barrel. And I think it was like probably like 112 or something. Mm -hmm. It was an absolutely delicious Four Roses expression. It was a nice way to
0: start. Yeah. Do you remember anything? We we actually went twice. We went once before the show. And then we went again before going to the New Liberty Distillery. Right.
1: So (laughs) we actually went there on two different occasions. in the last month two different servers yes very
0: shout out to lauren who it was her last day working yeah. when we saw her lauren's
1: moved to california i believe yeah hopefully she'll listen to this yes. she said she would listen of course if she's starting from the beginning it'll be months before she hears this <laughs> but if she's jumping in at the end which is very possible and then we had uh, with Sheena, which was... Uh, oh, yeah. Sheena was all personality. So nice. Great big smile, very energetic. And <laughs> she
0: gave us a hug when we left.
1: <laughs> yeah, she loved us so much. That's how much people love the Whiskey Tangent podcast, when, we, right. when we go out with our people.
0: Oh, yeah. She didn't even listen to it yet, and she yeah. loves us.
1: Well, we hung out there long enough where she got a taste of what it was like. That's true. Nonsense. <laughs> right. That's just that we saw the band the first time. The second time, we end up going to the New Liberty Distillery in Philadelphia, which makes some tremendous whiskey, most notably the Kinsey line of Bourbons and Ryes. Often finished in wines They first caught my attention With their Zinfandel finish Which I found to be delicious Only 86 proof for the base one But I've also had the Cast Strength Zinfandel finish Which is great They yeah. also have Cabernet finish Which was 92 proof Which we have here that we've I don't know we tried it yet but No We, we no. have it. Yeah, But then we've tried the Cast Strength Because we went there and had a flight And tried all their different stuff that they had So the star of the show I think was They had some Stitzelweller juice that was 15 years old They mixed it into a barrel of new distillant. And then aged that another 15 years. So yeah. some of the components is 30 years old, and some is only 15 years old. Yeah. God tell you, never tasted anything quite like it. That was really it's, cool. You know? Yeah. But then they also had some, like, one- and two-year mm-hmm. Pennsylvania rye stuff that just had such an interesting leather, menthol, you know, herbaceous flavor to it that was such a contrast to most of the stuff we had.
0: Yeah. And sometimes you go to a distillery, and they have the young stuff, and you can tell it's super young. Yeah. Yeah. You can tell this was young, but it had a, more of a sophistication, I think, than most other local craft distilleries have right so it was really surprising so
1: we stayed down in the distillery room talking to um devon he gave us a lot of information on distillery and we also talked to nate who is the manager of the shop and then we went upstairs to the bar they have a full bar upstairs with all their stuff in it Mm -hmm. and we had a couple delicious cocktails made by jenny who was up there
0: jenny jenny who can i turn to (laughs)
1: she's like oh i've never heard that before scott <laughs> thank you
0: and so, yeah, she didn't like us at first because i did that <laughs> <laughs>
1: she no she, she did she, she warmed probably, to us she, well, as people tend yeah, to do i mean if yeah. they refrain from kicking us out long enough to get to know us, she
0: didn't hug us like sheena did but i think well, she wanted to well she was on the other side of a bar that would have been awkward so the one cocktail that i had that i could find on their menu i don't know if the cocktail that you had was on the menu it was the royale old-fashioned so this was their kinsey 15-year american cash strength which is what one you just talked about which right. they put in a cocktail right bitters absinthe orange and a cherry but he made a syrup out of golden monkey right beer, beer. that was an incredible cocktail
1: yeah and then i had their version of the Sazerac. right with the absinthe that they
0: make yeah.
1: So the new Liberty Distillery, it's amazing. They're not big. It's a small operation.
0: No, no. And if you live in the area, absolutely go. Just go. It's They're a great, great time. They're great people.
1: We were there on a research journey and we got drunk like always and didn't know what we were doing because <laughs> we took Ubers and trains so we didn't have to drive again for hours. That's so. right.
0: That's right. All right. So the last thing that we do is what's coming up in the podcast and I'm only going to do what we're doing next week because next week we'll tell you everything about the next season it's the last call that's right summer 2023 on the 29th
1: yes we'll recap the entire season and of course at the end of that episode we'll tell you what's coming up for the next season that's right so that's it all right so that's the news as we see it here in the september 2023 we thank you all for tuning in cheers everybody later